right, guys, what is going on? It is time for another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. And if you guys are on YouTube hanging out in the chat, I can see you guys. That's right. We are doing a live stream for today's episode. You can catch it on YouTube live. If not, you'll be listening to this a little bit too late. All right. We are at the halfway point. That's right. Halfway point in the 2022 Dakar. That's tomorrow or right now over in uh, Saudi Arabia is actual race day or rest day. Excuse me. Rest day for these guys. So enjoying some time off. I already saw if I'm not uh, mistaken. It was uh, Sam Sunderland hanging out at the top of one of the tallest buildings in the world. I don't know. All sorts of stuff. So uh, we have got a special guest with us today in the studio. The official now name, thanks to Gnarly Dave, is the Adventure Taco Studios uh, here in San Diego. Scotty Bloom, say hi. Hello, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. (laughs) All right. Welcome to the party. Now we're in the party. (laughs) All right. All right. So lots going on today. We wrap had, up, yeah, wrap up a big week, right? First week of the year. Yes. <laughs> and starting off right racing, doing a little bit of rally. So it's been uh, it's been good. Today was uh, a challenge, right? Day six for these guys. Uh, just a quick rundown, right? Uh, Mason Klein still hanging out at the top. Uh, today was kind of an interesting day for the tracks themselves, uh, right? They re-ran a road book, which... Yeah, you got to wonder if it's the more adventurous for the tracks themselves or for the racers. True. You know? <laughs> well, unfortunately, I shouldn't laugh about it. Unfortunately, there was a couple of incidents today. Uh, it did. Uh, it almost cost uh, uh, Petrucci his uh, his the car. He crashed there. It did for sure. Uh, unfortunately, Ross Branch it did end his rally uh, a little bit short, which is which is kind of a bummer. So. Um, but yeah, let's, we'll, we'll do a little bit of a, a recap on today's, uh, before we get really into the halftime and, and how we've been going. Uh, so let's jump over to the trusty Dakar app, uh, which has been doing pretty good. All right. So stage six, let's see the standings. Uh, let's go for the stage. All right. So important thing to know, right? Uh, the stage for today was set for 620 kilometers total. Uh, 404 of those kilometers was going to be special, and 216 of those was actually going to be the liaison. Uh, so that ended up getting cut a little bit short, uh, particularly the special. Um, for those that haven't already heard, uh, what was going to be 404 kilometers of racing actually turned into 100 kilometers of racing. Uh, it was cut off at the fuel stop. A few of the fast guys had already made it through, but uh, after many competitors decided that it was a little bit too rough and too much of a stretch for them, uh, decided to mention that, and ultimately the stage ended up getting cut short uh, down to 100 kilometers. So for those playing the home game, 100 kilometers, 62 miles. That was it. 62 miles of racing. I don't even know if they're fully warmed up by then, but... Uh, unfortunately that's what it turned into today. So the stage times kind of reflect that where everybody's still on top of each other. Uh, so for today's stage, uh, on the bikes, Daniel Sanders, uh, setting the time of 51 minutes, 43 seconds, followed by Sam Sunderland on the gas gas. So one, two for gas gas on this one factory racing two hours or excuse me, two minutes, 26 seconds behind Daniel Sanders, Matthias Wachner in that third spot on the Red Bull KTM factory racing bike, two minutes, 36 seconds back. 
Then it was uh, Paulo Quintanilla, Monster Energy Honda, three minutes, 15 seconds back. And then Ricky Brabeck, fifth on the Monster Energy Honda, three minutes and 19 seconds back. So we are still in the threes and we're all the way down to number six, Mason Klein on the BAS Dakar racing team, three minutes and 33 seconds. And then we've got Svetko in that number seven spot, four minutes, five seconds, Aiden Van Berven, 410 on the Monster Energy Yamaha rally team. And then Toby Price, ninth, Red Bull KTM Factory Racing, 4 minutes, 16 seconds, followed by Joaquin Rodriguez on the Hero Motorsports Team Rally, 4 minutes and 29 seconds. So that is your top 10 for the stage today. And then let's see here. We have uh, for the standings and how that affected it. Uh, I don't I don't think it made that much of a difference uh, moving around, although it did. Uh, well, we'll get to the bottom of this right now. Sam Sunderland still leading the way. Gas Gas Factory Racing, 19 hours, 55 minutes and 59 seconds. Matthias Walker in the number two spot on the Red Bull KTM Factory Racing, two minutes, 39 seconds, followed by Daniel Sanders. Gas Gas Factory Racing. Uh, five minutes and 35 seconds behind. Uh, then we've got Adrian Van Beveren in the four spots, seven minutes, 43 seconds back on the Monster Energy Yamaha rally team. Paulo Quintanilla in the fifth spot, uh, Monster Energy Honda, 17 minutes and 44 seconds. And then Santolino on the Sherco, uh, 18 minutes and 22 seconds back. And then down to the seventh spot here, a little bit of a gap now. Uh, Svetko in that Slavnov rally team 24 minutes 29 seconds followed by kevin benavides in the number eight spot that's red bull ktm factory racing 24 minutes 56 seconds and then we have boreda bort on that monster energy honda sitting in ninth 25 minutes and 59 seconds with a one minute penalty uh then rounding out the top 10 mason klein moving on up uh, 13th, 14th, uh, but now jumping up to that number 10 spot on the BAS Dakar KTM racing team. Uh, that is uh, 37 minutes and 8 seconds. Uh, followed by, we've got uh, Andrew Short sitting in 11, 38, 12 uh, behind. Then you've got Toby Price with 39.09 behind. Nacho Cornejo in that 13th spot, 46.54. Xavier Dissol Trey, 47.25 back. And then rounding out the top 15 is going to be Ricky Brabeck, Monster Energy Honda, now 49 minutes and 20 seconds back with a two-minute penalty. So that is your top 15 so far through Stage 6. So on a day like today where they cut the stage from 400-plus kilometers of special down to 100 kilometers or 60 miles or whatever, those guys like Brabeck that are so far... You know, they have so much time to make up. They're so, they got jacked up in the first uh, day or two, the first couple of stages. It's a day like today where it's a total ripoff for those guys that are 15th, 20th, 25th, and they're good riders and they're contract, you know, salaried, you know, elite athletes, elite mm-hmm. racers. Those guys got pinched today. Because if the organizer would have allowed the race to continue the full 400 kilometers for the special, that allows for shakeups and breakdowns, right? That yeah. allows for shit show navigation um, errors like that kilometer 257 on stage one, you know, that ambiguous note. Mm-hmm. So riders like Brayback and Price, who are 
out of the top 10 or they're basically, you know, it's uncharacteristically these guys are out of the, the top running. It's days like today with a full 400 kilometer stage that would have had, you know, boo-boos or ambiguous notes and something to shake everything up. That's where those guys could have made up a lot of time. But now it's rest day tomorrow, Sunday or Sunday. We'll get back into racing again. And yeah. um, But it's days like today where some guys are pissed. They really got ripped off. And other guys are like, I'm, I'm fine. Let's just stop right here. And it was Daniel Sanders that That's was either. really outspoken. Yeah. And he was using the words princesses. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he was complaining about some of the writers who complained to David um, uh, Castera about the safety mm-hmm. and about you know racing uh, on top of tracks that were already raced. Some of the video footage we just looked at shows these big giant uh trenches right yeah ditches and and uh grooves from the trucks and the stuff and it's just like not in the spirit of rally raid in my opinion to go repeating or go hey tomorrow we're going to run the bikes on a course that's already tracked up Mm -hmm. and in some of the commentary you can hear that the one of the problems with doing that is the 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 visibility of what was originally drawn in the notebook isn't, it's not visible anymore because the trucks have already, uh, you know, gone 300 meters wide or they, they basically tracked everything up. And so that's kind of, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I agree. I mean, you, you think about like the, you know, Mason, uh, Mason, Ricky Brabeck, uh, Daniel Sanders, these guys, I mean, they, they've raced in rough stuff like this and they've done that. So, to race in big ruts and, and rocky sections and all of that stuff. It's nothing really new to them, but it is to a lot of people. Right. Also to like Daniel Sanders, you know, Aussie guy, right? And the Fink, mm-hmm. you know? And so for him, but it's kind of uncharacteristic because he's already in the top three overall. Mm-hmm. He's had a couple of really good, uh, impressive stages, some wins. Yeah. And in, uh, I think that first stage as well, but he's an Aussie and, the thing is, is that he probably should be happy with ending the stage short today, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, um, you know, if he was all brains and no balls or if he was all cerebral, he might have just kept his mouth shut about yeah. that other stuff. But because he is, you know, um He's just like a typical Aussie. He's just, they're just like Toby Price. Balls out, balls to the walls, humble. And everything is, oh, that wasn't too bad. And for us, it would be yeah. like killer. It would, be, yeah. it would take us out, right? No, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm going to say I put myself in the position. And I know my riding ability and what I can do. And Sanders is say it is, is that it, at the end or in the end, it's how the bike is set up, how you ride. And you have to understand, hey, I can't go that fast. That's beyond my riding ability. Well, it's on the rider to slow down. Nobody's telling you to go that fast. You know, you're in control of it. It's not like the ASO sitting there pinning your throttle. All they do is limit speeds and penalize you for that. They don't tell you go faster. So I I think it is a valid point. And I understand that, you know, they when they landed, I guess there was an exchange and they talked about, 
you know, helicopters and safety. That was later on. I heard from uh, Kendall Norman and in, in one of his interviews is that is OK. Well, yeah, that's a safety thing. OK, I can kind of understand that part of it. But if that is what it was and it's not because too many people were complaining that the stage was rough and that it was I mean, it's the desert. And then, like they said, it's like, well, you're only racing this much of the stage that has been used before. You're going to get on the other side of this and then you're going to go into back unused nothing you know pristine stage again so it's almost like they cut it premature because of the majority vote said this is too much yeah but is it really a democracy you know do they really is it really like yelp like uh you know uh, or you know customer review (laughs) situation and three and a half stars wouldn't eat here again (laughs) you, you know it's uh you know it gets a little bit tricky um, for these guys, but is this what we signed up for? You know, uh, 60 mile stage, you know, this is the Dakar, but they're not going to complain about it now that they're already there. And, and where's the outrage, you know, mm-hmm. for, for cutting these stages short and, and Victor, are we ever going to get the full story about like, uh, what really happened with that note on stage one, or are we really going to get the full story of what really happened with the shortening of the stage six, or what's really going on. And if we're looking at each other going, yeah. we're not really. No. <laughs> that will never happen. It's like the full story of, of uh, January 6th or the full story of what happened, uh, you know, with this event. Um, yeah. We're not, we're not going to really get the full story, but no. it's like doing the Dakar is hard. I mean, right, lately following it is a little harder yeah. than in my experience than it has been in, Years before, when it was in South America, I was mentioning before, you just had so many spectators with smartphones that were, like, contributing to the content pool. And, you know, uh, like your Facebook uh, feed four or five years ago during, you know, in, in January during the Dakar rally when it was in South America would be loaded up with, like, you know, that video that a guy with the smartphone in Mendoza, Argentina, caught Robbie Gordon doing a, a, a barrel roll or like doing yeah. something. And and so it's I think the Saudi Arabia move to one country, you know, one region uh, that's kind of closed. It's not really like open season over there. Mm-hmm. It's changed the 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 audience experience or the the spectator experience, you know, from our from where we sit um, and also the algorithms on, you know, the Facebook, YouTube, we're just not getting the same yeah. quality of, uh, of content. Yeah. It's not ranking as high because there's not as many phones on it. There's not as many hashtags. There's not as many. So, yeah, so it's in it. So now we're, you know, we're basically at the mercy of, you know, the, the coverage that's there. And I mean, it's really, it's Red Bull. Uh, and then one that uh, you and uh, Philip, Philip Barrett, I just, that's a name I haven't said in a while, but the the Eurosport stuff turned me on to that, and and it is it is completely different coverage than what you see. The commentary is different. the The shots there's the standard shots that everybody gets, all the networks get, but then these guys also add a little bit more in there. They find ways of filming and doing stuff, which is pretty cool. So. Who who would you think right now has got the better coverage, or do you think every you just got to watch all of it? 
No, you know, the Europeans really have a, an eye for motorsports. <laughs> and, you know, they uh, they are heralded. You know, they're, they're coveted. Mm-hmm. Motorsports means something in Europe. And um, also, snooker doesn't mean anything here. So Eurosports, what I've been doing, this is what I would recommend to listeners and to the audience, is... I'm using a virtual private network, a VPN. I use ExpressVPN, right? They could be your sponsor for for next uh, (laughs) season. And what I'm doing is I trick my laptop to thinking that I'm in London, and then I'll open a Chrome and just Google search for Eurosports Dakar 2022, and the Eurosports is kind of like the ESPN of of UK or Europe. And they have, uh, you know, six-minute, 10-minute clips that that have its own commentary and it's kind of stuff you're not going to see. So get a virtual private network, trick your computer into thinking it's in London, go to Eurosports for, you know, the the Dakar uh, coverage and that, that's kind of helpful, but you know, so uh, you know, here we are at halfway point and it's a, you've been following the Dakar for five, six years since you got into rally, Mm -hmm. since you, you know, really kind of dove in and Mason Klein, so we got Skyler House knocked out yesterday out of the rally. You know, still he will keep his, um, you know, he'll likely keep his uh, Husqvarna deal for another oh, yeah. year. You know, whether he signed for one year or two years, hard to say. Pop likely one, uh, but it's likely that he'll continue on. But Mason, the question mark over Mason Klein's head is gone. Yeah, it's gone now. So like, okay, <laughs> yeah, can the guy ride? Well, I don't know if he can really ride. Can he navigate? Yeah, apparently, he can navigate. He, he had some in some enthusiasm and some success, yeah. but now at rest day, coming in, Skyler House is out of it. The top sitting American is this rookie kid, twenty year old kid. I think he's twenty. You don't have to prove anything else to anybody. Come home with this same standing. And you're likely to be placed on a team, you know, like, uh, yeah. So, right. so, uh, you know, was Skyler finished what third last year or fifth? Fifth. Yeah. Fifth yeah, he was last fifth. year. Mm-hmm. You know, he got himself a ride and, you know, he's a little bit older, has some other circumstances behind him. But I think that any doubters about Mason Klein that were like, well, we'll see if he can really ride or if he can pull it off. He's halfway through. And dude, he is pretty impressive man you know to have those results and it speaks to something else the the playing field has really leveled out um with this with the change three years ago in 2020 to move the thing to a single country in a single region and it's not 15,000 foot of altitude it has got a lot of variety but we saw that's at when ricky brabeck uh, i think had his his win Mm-hmm. is when all the the advantages that people could have had in Argentina and Chile and Peru and Bolivia and, and South America, those advantages just disappear because everyone is going to a new country. All the racers are going to be riding on an even playing field. Yeah. And, you know, that was like the, the dynamic two years ago that what, what led Ricky Brayback and Casey Curry, I believe, to be the first Americans to ever win. Mm-hmm. And so today, this is when you see Toby Price and 
and Ricky Brabeck getting their butts handed to them, and they're in the 20, 25, 30 in the overall rankings, that's leveling the playing field, makes it, making it more interesting. I remember seven, six, seven years ago, it was just there was like eight or ten guys that were your top guys mm-hmm. out of 180, and those guys would all be in the top 12, top 15. You know, they would all kind of, you would, exp- it was very predictable. This is unpredictable. The navigation yeah. uh, boo boo, I would really love to see that note that, and I'm sure we will see it. Someone's yeah. going to show it uh, either on, on the, the um, forums or on social media. And what was really going on with that? And when every, so every road book, as we said before, every road book is going to have its weakest note. Yeah. And so that one on it stage was one was the 257. And, you know, it's a little ambiguous, but, and the guys were pissed. And there were mm-hmm. some guys who were really pissed. Yeah. When they get on the mic or when you hear the, the official guy come and make a statement, it's like PG-13 after school special stuff. <laughs> it's really like. It, it has to be groomed. TV. It has to be a little groomed. Definitely groomed. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and so that's, there's, there's a few things in that. And one will, with that note, and obviously I'm, I'm very limited experience in reading road books, but you look at it. Okay. Well, a lot of, well, a lot of guys messed it up. Okay. Yeah. But the guy that knows the least about racing rally got it right. So what did he do different than everybody else? Which guy is that? Oh, come on. Mason? Well, we got it. Yeah. Mason Klein, Mason Klein. Well, try right? telling that to Mason. He's what? like a road book expert. What? He, he is. And, Kudos. and actually, uh, uh, Willem, uh, who's, who's signing Mason? My money is, uh, Husker Vlana goes to a three bike team. So what does that mean? So that means that, uh, KTM, there are three bikes, right? Okay. Husker Vlana goes to three bikes, Benavides, house and Klein or gas gas. But I, I don't know. Well, you got Xavi Desultre. Yeah. Is on the Husky as well. Oh, Drew, but not Husqvarna, Husqvarna. Okay. Yeah, Husky, Husky. Okay. U.S. Husky. Okay. I, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, that that's that's gonna be mine. I I still haven't gone back to see. I think I called it with Skyler going to Husqvarna when I did the interview with him a long time ago, right after the Dakar when he got back and he was being kind of secretive. But I'm not twenty five percent odds. One I, I know, right? One in four. <laughs> There's only a few bikes. Uh, let's see who else has uh, uh, commented here. Uh, Troop. Yep, you're right. Malamoto is the real Dakar. That's how it got started. I mean, that's that was the the way to do it. Uh, the staying intense, and then also uh, this one too. Uh, COVID. So now with the whole COVID thing, um, it seems like. Things are relaxed a little bit, but now, you know, like you mentioned this, you know, yeah, you can stay in a, a in a motorhome, two, three people deep, but, but you can't stay in a tent by yourself in a, in a bivouac, you know, in the, uh, what was it? Cause they changed the rule for the marathon stage where everybody was going to stay together in a dormitory type setting. Okay. I can kind of see that, but you know. I could see where the ASO is going to be a little bit flexible sometimes when you have so many customers and in the name of customer service. But for us looking in outside in, it's kind of like, well, they're just folding their cards. They're, they're, they're just giving up, you know, like today, they, today's stage should not have been shortened, at least in my, in my opinion, unless for sure it was a safety concern and it was not because people were whining. 
Well, they have to consider the safety of someone's feelings and someone's, uh, <laughs> things, but it's super political too, and and about the decision that the race director has to make, and the pressure at the moment that it's coming down, and if he doesn't call it off, if four guys warn him, hey, it could be like a, a you know a helicopter uh, scarcity thing, and mm-hmm. and if he doesn't, if people are on the record barking at the safety problem and. Castera doesn't, uh, the race director doesn't call yeah. it off, and then something really bad happens, mm-hmm. then it's just like this double, it's a curse. You know, yeah. Like they're, they're kind of cursing the thing a little bit. But, anyways, it's, you know, what is it, 14 days, and, you know, people spend their whole year and 100 grand, 200,000, depending on who you are. You go to the, the, the Dakar rally, and the organizer cuts the stage by 60%, 70% of the stage, and you would normally complain. But these guys are like, nope, not going to complain because it's hard <laughs> as hell. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I do. And that, and Willem, that is a good point. Uh, when was the last time we saw so many rookies battling up at the top? And and by that, too, I mean, and not to say, you know, go, like, you know, harping that we're Team USA, but look at how it's it almost seems that it's been easier for the U S competitors to get up onto that top 10, the top 15s and all of a sudden be at the top of the list where before it was just one or two. So that you're right. The dynamic has, has changed a lot, but I think it's because these guys have obviously stepped up their regimen in training. That was the advantage that the rest of the world had before was that's all they raced, right? There was no Bajas. There was no arrows. There was no GPS track. It was literally, here's your road book. Now, scurry along yeah the scarcity of of roadbook um stages and the scarcity of training uh for guys like skylar house and mason klein and even ricky brabeck um the scarcity of the training opportunities makes those guys really want to uh to find stages and so uh, mason the thing is is dude it's like you're don't knock on wood but you know don't jinx it dude you yeah you don't have anything else to prove to anybody. You can ride and navigate and you can, yeah. you know, manage yourself. And thanks to Skyler for, um, for, you know, working with him and, and doing yeah. that together, they're doing something right. And yeah. it's like, because Mason is, you know, this young skinny kid. And if you know him and look at him and ride with him, he's not Mr. Balls out, no. you know, a uh, super fast guy. Mm-hmm. And he's the first to admit it. Yeah. What, I mean, like, that's why it's easy for me to say. Yeah. Okay. No. And, and, and it, that's, what's really interesting about him and just hanging out. Right. I went out to the happy ranch rally that uh, happy Dave did a few months ago and it was a fundraiser for Mason. And it was really cool seeing everybody step up to the plate to help him get to, well, obviously where he's at now. And that was one of the things like everybody was riding his practice bike and like, he's just one of the other kids on the, in the crowd but when you talk to him, he's the first. He's all, "I'm not fast. I'm not like that." You know, his brother Carter. Yeah, he's his brother the one. Carter's another story. But Mason is like all the comments, and when you talk to him, and then one of the posts that he did not too long ago was like, "You're reading that, and you're going, this kid's talking like he's 35. This is his eighth Dakar, and he just knows what he's got to do." Yeah, and it's, some people hate that. <laughs> the, the sound of that sucks. It sucks for the person that actually is 35 and that's actually been to eight Dak cars. And, yeah. and it's like, it's kind of, they're regurgitating that Mason Klein's little brother, Carter, 
I'm just going to say it right now, 2022. In 2025, 2026, uh, I put all my all my chips on this guy. I don't really mm-hmm. have a lot of chips, and if I lose them all, it's like okay. But yeah. I like this the, the the because he's picky. Carter Klein is picking up on his older brother's cerebral yeah. way of thinking, and he's getting a benefit. I think Carter gets a. Um, uh, is the beneficiary gets a boost, gets a benefit from being around mm-hmm. the cerebral nerdy nature of Mason Klein. But I just have a feeling, sorry, Mason, but I just think Carter is going to be, I, I'm, I'm just telling you, I spent mm-hmm. a couple of days with these guys and I just have a feeling about Carter. Yeah. Well, that's the, the hair and the hound, but that's, you know, and that was interesting. Uh, somebody just mentioned that about, oh, yeah, uh, Troop, about uh, having Mason and Skyler on the same team. If, if what I was saying, you know, Husky. Yeah. And, you know, so there was these, th- that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's good listeners. Yeah. I mean, they, it, they work very well together. I mean, they train together. They work very well together and they team up and they have it. And I, so I, you know, I would be very afraid of them on the same team if i was on the other teams i would be afraid of them because obviously they can navigate you know they both they have their head in the right place so that i think makes them dangerous yeah they both have some 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 things in common like good parenting and good um you know professionalism and good um and mason's so young it's just that uh and he's gonna rub a few people the wrong way and, you know, especially if he just comes out, you know, lighten it up like he is right now. But um, just keep my fingers crossed. Yeah. Come on, Mason. Yeah, <laughs> we can do it. And, yeah, Travis, every single Sunday. Sorry, I can't rewind it. It's live. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. I think that that's where that that's what it was such a bummer about today's stage getting short, shortened is because literally this was like they, they said it. You know, Mason said it, that it's like literally like it's like one of those best in the desert mint 400, you know, just right off rough. And that, you know, so, yeah, absolutely. Everybody on a U.S. team, when they talk about suspension and when they get really I mean, they're testing in Barstow. I mean, the only place that's worse than that, that in my opinion, is Plaster Shitty out here in El Centro. But but Barstow is, you know. So, yeah, I mean, that sucks because I think this would have been today would have been the day that that Ricky Brabeck, I think of all would have probably capitalized the most because he's I'm not going to say not afraid, but he knows what he's doing. I mean, hell, he raced uh, he raced Vegas to Reno on the rally bike. So that, you know, that that's kind of a bummer. Uh, But, yeah, the whole the navigation thing uh agreed you put a road book in front of somebody and it could be a road they've traveled uh, a billion times and it will be completely different they're going to be guessing themselves every couple of minutes thinking you know okay well is this where the turnoff is or is this a, oh what you know that's how i got screwed up looking for tents trying to get those tents and i go oh okay it's got to be this one no 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 it's the next one and and you, just like that you get inside your head and next thing you know you're riding off into the sunset yeah, so it looks like the riders and the racers are adapting to a new kind of a modified way to write the roadbooks, compressing where there would have been two or three notes uh, for something that's happening on the ground, crossing an arroyo and going up a, another valley. Mm-hmm. Um, they can compress that and put 
put that event or that's that situation on the ground, the event like, you know, uh, into a single note. Um, but I'm curious to see what the note was exactly. And then to get the real story, you know, yeah. cause we, we hear about things, you know, you hear about rumors and you hear about, uh, different things in our industry and like the, the world of racing. And you really want to hear like, what's the real thing? What really yeah. happened? Yeah. How did it, that? how did it really go down? So let's listen to this. So I was listening to Dakar rally daily sponsored by climb, you know, it's Quinn and Jesse have a great little program they put together, but this is from the other day. KTM chassis, the new bike underneath, you know, the Red Bull KTM team, the Husqvarna team and the gas gas team. Um, We've talked to a few guys. Uh, there were some rumors going around that people were struggling with that bike preseason. Um, I've asked Quinn Cody to tell me numerous times why, but he won't tell me because he's on the he's on the development team over there, so he won't tell me any secrets. But um, reports now, everybody's saying they, they really like the bike. So whatever changes they're making in the development they're doing, it seems to be working on that. Yeah, here's what happened with that development. So there were some rumors that some guys didn't like the bike. And then all of a sudden, those rumors are gone. What happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Someone from development, maybe Quinn Cody himself or someone in his circle, called all the writers and said, everyone sit down. Husky, Gas Gas, KTM, just sit down. We don't know exactly who did it, but we're listening really carefully. You got any complaints that leave our department? And we got to remind you guys, do your job. This is what your job is. Yeah. So when there's rumors that, that some of the riders don't like the new frame or the new mm-hmm. setup, um, what KTM had to do was, or, and the whole organization say, you guys shut up and do your job. And, and, and we're really listening right now mm-hmm. for who's the guy mm-hmm. or who are the people that are complaining about the development yeah. of these of these bikes because if it is you it's going to be a bad day it could be bye bye the hard way yeah. it could be bye bye breach of contract didn't you understand the definitions part of your agreement yeah and i and and yeah i mean that's like, what was it what was it back in the day loose lips sink ships yeah still still, still. but but to their, you know, to their thing, you know, Skyler said that, you know, they were doing like their testing and their stuff like it, it changed from when it was him. It was some testing and all this stuff. But once he got on the Husky team and then especially with the new bike, all it was was practice. And it was like sun sunrise to sunset. And and to be honest is when I, I remember watching some of the clips of them at Morocco at the Morocco rally and watching that bike. And I remember in the rough, you could see it. And I go in that bike is loose that bike is not predictable to them and and you could see the suspension and you could see how it was riding and it's like and you know that skyler obviously he's 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 a rider i mean he can ride a bike and when you can see that the bike just seems squirrely it just didn't seem like it was all there and then you go okay well first time out it is what it is but now you start seeing some of the clips and you can see the bike seems to be tracking straighter it seems to be doing it so like you said he doesn't really know what they may have changed or maybe he does, but just doesn't want to say it. But there's definitely been some improvements to get it to where it is now, because that it it looks night and day different. It looks it went from scary to ride to wow. Like I mean, this thing is dialed now. So a little bit of both forces pulling in pulling in both directions. Yeah, yeah, 
the it, one force is that, hey, the thing has to get better just the same way that our environment has to get cleaner over time. It just with, you know, like generally speaking, we get cleaner with our with our cars and our pollution, you know, over decades, long periods of time. So, too, will these bikes uh, and the, as they go through development get you know, better and better. But also, too, the other force is that, hey, there's some rumors going around. Shut the fuck up right now. Yeah. You know, about what you, uh, about these, uh, your your preferences. And so I'm thinking that that's probably one of the things that happened um, about why the bikes are all of a sudden so much better now. So it's a two yeah. forces like, like that we, uh, you know, that we just talked about. Yeah. And that, and that's their uh, troop. Uh, brings up a good point, uh, Jared, is that not all racers are development riders. Yeah. And not, not everybody, they don't, they're not going to try. Yeah. Lots of guys just race. And that's right. Cause there's, it's like, uh, I mean, you see it in all forms of motorsports. I mean, let's go, you know, we'll, we'll switch, uh, disciplines for a minute. Formula one, formula one, the driver has to know. I mean, I feel like my rear tire is a 10th of a percent down on air. I think we need to adjust that. Like they have such a feel for it. And, and now back to tuning a bike, a bike is a whole nother story, especially in the dirt and, and predictability, because as you can tell, I mean, these guys send these things is not like, they're just like, like how I would ride it. No, I, if I rode Skylar's bike, it would be, which would never happen. I'm sure. But there's no way I would ever be able to suck like even 10% out of it. Like what he can do. And some riders have the ability to say, you know what? The head angle is wrong. Uh, you know, the forks need to be dropped a little bit. You know, this and that. Like, they know exactly the changes that need to be made. So maybe that's the program. They narrow it down to, okay, you guys are going to be our core guys. I know that on one of the other teams um, with a mutual friend of his, they like, we know that, that there's certain team members that what they say, everybody else tests. And that's exactly to that point. Not everybody is a development rider and not everybody is, a, is, is the, the race, you know, the top guy. Well, uh, so for our, you know, SoCal and for our North America, you know, uh, audience, people that are listening that know Baja, remember the THR Kawasaki deal. You know, it was like THR Precision Concepts, you know, Monster Kawasaki and it was Robbie Bell, tall, skinny guy, and, you know, racing on the same team with a guy named David Pearson, who was, you know, probably twice the weight and, you know, a bigger guy, great rider. But they're in, you know, in that environment, THR and, and Precision Concepts, Robbie Bell's parents, his dad is basically, or him, is tuning the suspension, the, the forks. For that Baja 1000, for those, those when Kawasaki reclaimed the number one plate from Honda, you know, this was, uh, you know, six, seven years ago when this went down, but there was big guy on the bike, didn't like the way the bike was tuned, but the skinny guy on the bike happens to be his dad is tuning the bike. And yeah. so it's just like, get used to the way this, this is. But, you know, we don't have the Dakar and rally raid. We don't have the team aspect where multiple guys ride in the same exact same, same bike. You yeah. Know? But that's where where it comes down to that. And, and uh, Travis from every single Sunday. Yeah, correct. Uh, the rider feedback. 
um, you know, we, we dealt with it in different times and, and I've dealt with it in the four in the four wheel arena. And it's, you know, what you say and what you feel from the seat is sometimes not like it to relay that. And yeah, sometimes, well, the bike turns in too easily yeah. or, or, or the bike is lazy to turn in and I go, okay, well, what does that mean? Is that the beginning of the corner, the mid of the corner or, 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 you know, where is the issue? And it's like, well, it kind of feels like, and some That's guys will where, be like, no, yeah, yeah. So the here. engineer guys, the engineer guys that are real engineers that, you know, that's what they've dedicated their adult life to. And then there you have these racer guys tell mm-hmm. them, no, it's like it kind of understeers over here. Well, exactly what do you mean? But, and so the engineers are calling bullshit, you know, and, and in their mind they're, they're thinking, because I'm doubtful, mm-hmm. you know, that I can understand the difference between a Cabernet Sauvignon and a Syrahs after four glasses. <laughs> or a Pinot Noir it's, it's just versus, a, versus a, a, a Merlot, like after five or six glasses, you know, it's like I can't really uh, tell the difference. And so, in like when the Formula One guys or the MotoGP guys come back and they say, oh, I don't like the car, the, something about this, uh, this I don't like, I don't like, my first, my first reaction, my first gut instinct is that's just a cover. That's a you're covering your ass for shitty driving or yeah. you're, you're covering for something else. And the engineers are scratching their heads going, really? What do you mean by that? Yeah. And so, well, that, that'd be the first question. I, if I was the engineer and I had, you know, a rider come back in and, and say, you know, no, it's, it, it was the bike. It was just crap. Well, if you can't tell me that, Oh, because it felt like it was packing or if you can't give any further description than what it is, then we're going to have, you know, okay, well, what do you want me to do? I mean, if you can't at least tell me the very minimum of, you know, I felt like this or look, I hit these three whoops. And by the third whoop, I felt like I was going to get, you know, launched to the moon. You know, you have to have some feedback and to be able to do it. And then that's uh, something rewinding it all the way back. And I remember talking with uh, with Alex Martins on the episode that I did with him and about sometimes making adjustments, but not. But because rider fatigue and riders. So at the end of the day, I, whoever I think the, the KTM group, we'll go with the KTM group, had helping them refine the bike further bef- between Morocco and here. They were listening to the, I think, it, at least from what it looks like, they were listening to the right people. Because yeah. the bike just looks different. Well, you know, and maybe it is. From where I sit, if that that rumor thing about the shitty bikes or the, we don't like the development. That is the the improvement is we're all going to have a meeting and the next guy that gets caught making up a rumor or complaining or taking his, his Mm -hmm. gripe outside of our department, Mm -hmm. taking it outside to the streets. Not only are you going to get fired, but you're going to get fired in a bad way. You're going to get fired with, with a, um, a penalty. You know, mm-hmm. like basically part of your thing is not only are you not going to get paid the rest of your 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 salary, mm-hmm. you're, you're clipped. But um, yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, that's definitely it, it, it's interesting because, yeah, that, that rumor got pretty big, pretty fast. And why would it not? You know, it's uh, yeah. like what else is there to talk about? We're wait, we're just dying for something to something yeah. new to talk about. I mean, we got the Africa twin bike came out like four or five years ago. Waited for that forever. Mm-hmm. You know, the T7, um, you know, the Yamaha thing. And now that, um, 
That, so in the DAC car, you have Yamaha team doing well. You have Gas Gas, uh, KTM, Husky, Honda. You know, there's more to it. Mm-hmm. You know, Sherco is in there. Hero, there's there's more yeah. to that, and that gives us optimism for like the next three or four years of the Dakar. Do you think Dakar Rally will be in Saudi Arabia? I mean, they have they have their contract. They they've got to they've got to go. They've basically got to make to to the end of that. But even which today, is how long did they know? I think it was five. It was a five year contract. I don't remember. It was five or ten. It's when I heard it, I was like, damn, that seems like a really long time. Like they signed up and put some money into it. But from what I saw today, it was a post on Carlos Sainz's uh, or no, it was one of the no, excuse me. It was one of the news channels from down there on their social media. They posted that one of the higher ups with tourism had met or was talking like they were starting the we want you back. We miss you. I've been thinking about you. Oh, for that South America. For South America. So I. This is going to be uh, interesting how how it rolls down, like as the contract gets closer to the end, because this is year three. So it's five years. This is about where they may start looking at it. I don't know. I mean, personally, from what we talked about before, you know, we got started is is the the fan base. And and we mentioned a little bit ago is the fan base is just so much bigger. There's so much more coverage because everybody's got a cell phone and everybody's posting to to Instagram or to Facebook. And there's just so much more content. And then racers sharing that content as well. So then, you know, the the guy in the middle of nowhere that's never all of a sudden he's, you know, blowing up. He's got a million likes on his video where in Saudi Arabia, that's just not going to that's not going to happen. So so we'll see. All right, let's see who else. Hey, guys, everybody joining in. BT, welcome. The uh, And so there was actually, so let's talk about, uh, we're going to change gears a little bit, right? We know, so we know they're getting into the second half of the race. So we, we know that's coming. Uh, I think that now we're going to, we're going to see some of the changes. Now people are getting tired. The bikes are going to be fresh because I already saw Mason's bikes down to the frame. Um, but now it's the, you know, you have, uh, Quintanilla, right? Uh, possibly collarbone, something going on there. Not I say, you know, I didn't catch that part. Riding with an injury. I didn't catch that part. You know, I did hear about, um, Petrucci had some kind of thing that is taking him out. That's like a fracture or some kind of a hairline fracture from his crash mm-hmm. earlier today at kilometer three, same place that Rosh ross branch uh crashed out mm-hmm. um i think that's why his fender was missing well that was he it was the prior day that he won the stage okay so he won the stage without a uh a proper fender yeah. but um uh you know i forgot what i was talking about no. <laughs> so it we were was, yeah it's friday well uh and travis yeah that's right uh Reju, that was another brand i didn't know who I don't know. Raise you F no, not FN. Oh, Fantic. You know what? I got to check on the Fantic and yeah, five-year deal. Willem, that's right. Yeah. Sports uh, washing, a good sports, sports washing campaign, you know, shouldn't take more than five or six years you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. to, to do it. But, and, um, you know, it's a different deal. And so yeah. the, the soul of the Dakar, the people that you might've met 10 years ago that are like, Oh, I'm into the Dakar. I'm really into it. 
that soul that it used to have, like as it moved from Africa over to South America, that's that's gone. So that Africa eco race now on its 12th year mm-hmm. of reincarnation, that's like more of the soul. Sorry, ASO. Um, but there's some things I've noticed as a consumer, what I've noticed on um, on Dakar website in the last three years, three or four years, is that it seems like there's less people working in that organization to keep the digital um, experience, keep the, the website, the, the video production, all that stuff is just a little bit lighter, you know, than what mm-hmm. we, our appetite was really high for it, uh, you know, 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, we had a real high appetite for whatever the, the ASO could put out in terms of um, whether it's like daily videos, their own hosted videos, YouTube stuff, or just subsidized content and um, media coverage, you know, third party media coverage. It was, there was a lot of it there, but it's like, it seems to be lacking a lot mm-hmm. more now. And if you really like this stuff, you really have to, to look for it in yeah. the, Facebook uh, feed, you know, the algorithm, uh, maybe it's just me, but Mm -hmm. um, it's not what it, I'm not getting the same, uh, you know. That same vibe. Stuff crossing crossing the bow. Well, and and case in point, uh, I just saw it for the first time as we were watching it, was the the interview with Petrucci. 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 Talking about his dad's birthday and talking about leaving his mark. Because he won a stage. Be it a penalty any which way you slice it, just like anybody else that would have been in there, they won the stage. Their name is at the top in the shiny lights. They have a stage win at the Dakar. And he's completely emotional. I have not seen that anywhere other than it was on Eurosport. So there is a big difference in in coverage and how they do it and what they pick to show, which is kind of sad because that was like, I mean, he he barely finished the interview. He was so emotional, and that was just like to see that was just like wow, like a story you would have never. Known. I didn't know that his dad's birthday was in the Dakar, and he always spent his birthday on the Dakars, and you know. You might be talking about Bradley Cox and Alfie Cox. Well, that was Bradley and Alfie, but no, okay. it was this was or was it? No, I thought it was Patricia also saying that. Also, oh no, we mixed the two. That's right. Maybe so. It's been a long day. I've been up since four in the morning or so. That's what happens when you become an, a grown adult. Yeah, adulting sucks. Kids don't grow up. Yeah, but that Petrucci thing is in. You know, I I did call it. I did I did call it that the guy would win a stage or that he would do something that's that was uh, a little bit unexpected. The only reason that I stupid me. The only reason that I could ascertain that was just this guy comes from moto gp it's a whole different world and it's just like superhuman like world that you know that we most people can't relate to the same way that formula one is just this super different level of humans yeah whether you're uh toto or whatever the guy's name is and and uh christian horner the 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 team managers of formula one and those athletes the 20 drivers that are in there it's a whole different level and that's why i thought petrucci would be have something to show is that he's coming from this different world yeah where it's just like uh and those guys are beasts but americans like oh yeah i heard the moto gp came to like uh Austin, Texas, or it came to Laguna Seca, but that's all I know. Yeah. And, and 
from what I hear, if you go to a MotoGP race and you see one of those bikes and hear one up close, it's like a nothing you've ever heard before. No. So it's, that's why, like a guy like uh, Danilo uh, Petrucci, he goes to the Dakar and he surprises people with those. Um, and I think they're, I think he's out now from the today's crash. Yeah, if it if if it's, I mean, if it's confirmed that it was his, that that yeah, he he is completely injured. Then yeah, I I wouldn't see him continuing because then I got to start to worry. Well, Tech Three looking at it going. I know we gave you permission, but we kind of need you. <laughs> so well, is he, yeah. he? So he's not he's not racing MotoGP anymore. Or did he did he retire? I I missed that part. Yeah, if he's done. I don't done. Think, yeah. So oh, okay. All right. Well, if he's done, done, then have at it. Well, let's just be like Friday night here in Hamul. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's dumb it down. Okay, you're a MotoGP racer. You probably make a million bucks a year just in salary. Okay, so like every Formula One driver, there's twenty of them. I can't imagine a single one that doesn't get a million dollar salary. Mm-hmm. You know, which one? The the least known one, George Russell. I don't know who who's the guy that gets less than a million. MotoGP got to be the same thing. Yeah, you got to be like a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, million dollar salary. So if someone like Petrucci was going to continue racing at that level in in MotoGP. There's no way they're going to let him go out and do this thing. It's like you're, let's say you have to be a um, a tour guide or you have to be a a, a, a route leader. Mm-hmm. And okay, but on your off season, let's let you go squirrel suiting, you know, uh, base jumping and uh, skydiving with a squirrel suit. It doesn't add up. We're not going to no. let you do that because if you get hurt. Yeah. Something's going to happen. Something's right? going to go down. And uh, BT talking about that. Yeah, about discussing. So the injuries among the fastest guys on the best bikes, pushing as hard as these guys uh, can lead to injury, regardless of how factory the bike is. And that is that is absolutely true. And I think that today was definitely a... Uh, I love that Petrucci doesn't have a filter. Yeah. Um, I, I think today, uh, BT, to your point, is that, yeah, the guys, even on the fast guys, but... Today was a rough day. And so today, I think the morning incident with Ross Branch and, and Petrucci and maybe some of the guys further back um, for today. Yeah, as a result of a rough track. And that's if you're riding over your head and, and doing that kind of stuff, this is what's going to happen. And to another point of that, I think I'm predicting that this is what is going to continue to happen if next year they do actually implement the speed limit at 150 kilometers an hour. I, I wholeheartedly believe that this is what's going to happen. I mentioned it in the previous is, okay, well, if we're going, if we're going right now, getting up to the 180 kilometers an hour, you know, you got some legs on the dry lake beds and all of that stuff. If now you leave everybody to 150 at 180, 110 miles an hour, you, the guy riding the bike has to know what he's doing and you got to have, you know, the wables to do it. It, it's fast. Things are vibrating. Things are moving. I, I did it once on the street on dirt bike. I shouldn't have been doing it on just to see. And it, that was all it took. And I realized that it's the stupidest thing. The vibrations, the helmet, the wind, the buffeting, even if you are hiding behind a, a windscreen might limit some of that. So now on the dry lake bed, everybody can do 150 kilometers an hour. That's 93 miles an hour. 
So the only place, as I mentioned, the only place you're going to make up time is where people can't do 150. In the technical. In the technical. Stuff. In the rough. In the dirty. So what's going to happen next year when they hit another rocky stage like that? Well, you're going to have the Ricky Brabex, the, uh, the Skyler Howes, those guys that grew up racing that stuff. Or even, well, hell, even Toby Price. Toby Price now rises Baja. He understands what a rough course is. You know, so that is only going to increase. Now, those guys might be all right. They'll do okay because they're used to it. They grew up just like how when Brabeck and Howes first got there, they weren't used to road books. Now they are. I think that it's going to be the same learning curve as now these guys. Well, now I got to ride further. I got to ride in over my head because if not, this is where I'm going to lose my time. So I, I think that coming more, more injuries are coming if they implement it. It sounds stupid, but I, or, you know, might sound counterintuitive to what it is, but I think that literally we're going to see more guys injured by introducing that because they're going to have to push. This is the only place I can make up my time because everybody, as soon as we hit the dry lake bed, is going to do a buck 50. You know, that is a great way to look at it, a great way to, to cross-analyze it or to look at the other side of the picture, you know, and we're doing that more so than probably what they would do, at, mm-hmm. you know, ASO to do like the tire deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, that you only get this one tire and you can't, and that ended up being a, their their intention was to make it safer, but it has an unintended consequence. It's actually making it more dangerous and so what you're saying is that if they do limit top speeds to 150 kilometers an hour around 92 ish night in the low 90s uh miles an hour that someone is going to have to the only way i can make up for it is by riding harder riding faster in the more technical stuff and if they start crashing there it's not as bad as if they're crashing on wide open lake beds or you know um you know off piece you know mm-hmm. fast sand sections or fast um you know flat sections mm-hmm. so it's like yet to be seen so here we are curious as what's going to happen how it's going to go down and what's going to happen with the electronic road books or the digital road book uh, oh, yeah. thing that you know one source says that 2023 next year all the bikes will be on electronic road books mm-hmm. Speaking of which, I brought one over. <laughs> so we actually got a treat today. And actually, we're going to talk about uh, the electronic roadbook thing really quick uh, because it's true. So now, so how, how this how this is going to play into um, into the Dakar. So for those of you guys uh, that have been following the Dakar for a little bit, no, but for the newer guys following. Uh, so before you used to be able to get the roadbooks uh, the night before and then after You'd get them the night before you did your marking and all that stuff, loaded your road book and you were ready to go for the next day. Then uh, some of the teams, then there was a whole new position uh, call that came up as part of the team known as map men. And the map men was this mythical creature in the sport. And they would basically take uh, that road book overnight and turn it into a GPS file. Uh, so now fast forward Last year and this year, they're handing road books out the morning of just minutes before the start to give these guys. And then this thing, uh, this is the Tower One. This is Tower One. Okay, the Tower One. So now this is going to be what one of the next steps is going. So on this, you have your electronic road book 
you can literally seconds before the stage pre-highlighted, ready to go with all the changes, literally upload it via Bluetooth right to it. So this is going to be kind of like the next, uh, the next go-to uh, of what they're going to be doing. And we've seen it already in the trucks. So they're already implementing this, but now the bikes are going to get something like this, uh, which, you know, again, was just going to help. I think it, they, like they do say, maybe it is a safety thing, you know, to help with the safety side of things, you know, not, not people, not shortcutting and stuff like that. Or, you know, I, I do think that that has some, some valor to it. Um, but yeah, this thing is, uh, and it's pretty gnarly size, but I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's the pad and it's also, uh, the, it's like having two Icos, right? Yeah. But all in one, spot. in one thing. Yeah. In one spot. So yeah. we, I haven't really, I haven't been able to test this thing to the yeah. extent that I really, want to and need to but um the weight of this setup of the tower one setup is the about the same weight as a universal uh roadbook rally kit and so it's not a weight savings and it's not a weight investment but instead of having the icos and uh, a bracket and a roadbook reader everything's on one piece attached to one little mount so we'll give you a kind of a status update on this in like a month or so uh after we really go and put this puppy through the through some of the through the the, through the ringer through the ringer so to speak and thanks to luke bennett up at um tower one ico racing thank you luke for giving us a a shot with this and actually i don't know really quick just to kind of show it because i don't think they can see the road book in the back but um, somebody mentioned earlier, so right. Remember we had the, the kilometer two fifty seven yeah. deal where there, so one of the things that Mason had mentioned and that they were already practicing, this is stacked notes where you would think that there'll be one main note. And then there's a couple of direction changes, uh, involved with it. So it's like even, uh, cap on the exit. or it could be cap on exits. So normally on, on a road book, you have three parts to it, right? You have your, your distances, your total distance, and then you've got, no, unfortunately, I don't think we can uh, raffle this one off. <laughs> um, you'll have your distances in your left box. You'll have your total distance, and then you have your distance from your last note. And then in the middle is your tulip. That's your hieroglyphic, right? That's the, the arrows. That's the little schoolhouse. That's the end of the fence. That's the wash. That's the little you know little details the diagram the diagram right the actual you know the the arrows uh terrain changes right the lines actually represent something if it's a solid line if it's a a dotted line if it's you know they, they have different markings so there's a lot of information in that center box and typically the box all the way to the right was normally reserved for like more important like just a quick this is something you need to know. Supplemental info, yeah. supplemental uh, data, just add additional need yeah. to know. Just the basics. So what they saw this time around in the Dakar and it, what people were talking about and, and particularly into this, that note is that normally in that box where there would be a some kind of supplemental info, something, you know, like on right or or stay left or something like they were putting uh, or like a cap heading cap heading you know that's your direction on the compass represented in a in a numerical fashion right in degrees the, all of a sudden they started putting multiple you know they would put like three in there where traditionally some people that would write a road book would put three more notes or two additional notes 
to explain what's going on. But in this case, there was like, you know, 200 meters cap 10 average 10. And then at 600 meters or cap blah. So now they're telling them basically in 200 meters, you want to kind of stay in this direction for 200 meters. And then when you get to 600 meters, you want to do this. So now all of a sudden you're not moving the notes. You're having to pay more attention. It's slowing them down, which, okay, you achieved what you wanted. But if you're not ready for it, it's confusing the hell out of you. If you had the night before to go through those, yeah, it's a lot different than having 15 or 20 minutes in the morning yeah. to try to pick those out, mm-hmm. you know, and for an avid, you know, navigator, aspiring, you know, navigator guy in the, some of these rally schools, they'll tell you, hey, before tomorrow's stage, you know, pay particular attention looking for these things in the in the right side box and looking for errors and you know uh blah 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 but it does make a difference that they don't have the night before to go Mm -hmm. in and look at that uh that piece but so what is the world all this going what are we really saying here is that we see the sport is is changing you know it's when it they change locations from south america to saudi arabia change uh some of the rules you know change some of the the expectations that people you know have and then also it it the dispersion of top riders getting just completely dispersed among the top 40 or 50 Mm -hmm. you know 30 or 40 is 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 a big deal you know it's like uh that's a change and it's that's the effect of some of the uh causes so we're going to move the event from South America all the way into Saudi Arabia where they have a lot of money and a lot of reasons to do an event like this. A lot of reasons. Uh, you know, their tourism, their development, their their future, you know, and then they also want to get past some of their political stuff and some of their social uh, issues. That's what sports washing means is that, hey, they're trying to clean up their image, you know, Saudi Arabia trying to clean up their image uh, hosting these different events and tr- basically doing what they can to be in the world stage as they develop their these big real estate developments, resort developments for the future. And so the it, we watch the sport change, change location, change rules, and then we, you and I as and as fans we want to just basically say, okay, what does this mean, and how is this going to change for the future? Mm-hmm. You know, and with with Mason Klein, okay, just the kid. He's not listening. I wouldn't you know, I'd be surprised if they're listening uh, you know, to this while they're over there. Oh, no. Ma- Mama Bear is listening. Okay. So he's done. Mason has done. He's, he's, he's basically got over the, 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 the hump, you know, pressing for a top five, pressing to, like, have his position, have it in half, like going from 10th to 5th. Yeah, you know, what's the payoff of that? I think he's going to be fine if he can just finish the way that he is right now. And then, like, what happens to Brayback? You know, if Brayback finishes in the top 22 or finishes, like, in above 20th position, then what happens to him next year? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I Well, I, I do know. He, he has been loyal to Honda. Honda's taken him so many times to the Dakar. I, don't, I, I really wouldn't see that changing. You know, I... I, I I can't imagine him going to another team and, and this ending badly. Um, 
I feel like he is more, uh, I mean, outside looking in. I don't know him well enough for, you know, I've maybe, I don't even know if I've ex- ever exchanged words with him. But, oh, yeah, I have at the start and finish Sonora Rally uh, as well. I don't see him going anywhere, but I see him coming back more pissed off and working that much harder. And and with somebody like Johnny Campbell in his corner, that's that's obviously taken him from one place to another. Uh, I to me, it's you know what? It was a bad day at the track. You know, we all have them. Unfortunately, the track is 14 days long and in the middle of nowhere on the other side of the planet. But. You know, th- there's two choices. I mean, he could be riding like he didn't care and and just like, man, whatever, I'm over this. I'm just here, you know, I'm just here to get the bike to sixth gear and see where I end up. But he's not, you know, he's going for it. He's he's being the team player. I think that that is still showing that, you know, this is still a team member. This is somebody that we want to have on the team. So I don't see him going. Yeah, you know, me neither. I don't know where you could go. Um, you know, you fit in so well if you're one of Johnny's boys, you know, if you're part of that crew, you know, mm-hmm. Johnny Campbell, you're a Honda guy, you're kind of branded, you know, it's kind of hard to get out of there. You know, it's kind of hard to switch teams. You know, it's like being in in Nueva Generacion and trying to jump over to Golfo uh, or, or Golfo, but um, you can't really change cartels his thing easy i don't need the algorithm picking that up okay so so it's like so seven or eight i guess this is seventh one or his eighth one seven and uh he's one one you know got second last year and then this year if he doesn't you know it's like i'm not really worried about what happens to ricky i'm kind of worried about what happens to my family and me but um you know if just thinking about it from the cheap seats wow, you know, where does it all go? And so, like, my speculation is that he will jump out and go off to UTV land or go off to vehicle land. And, and the reason that I'm, I'm going on this far-fetched kind of, like, reaches, why the hell isn't Casey Curry racing in the Dakar this year? The guy is the first mm-hmm. American to ever win the Dakar in, in, on four wheels, mm-hmm. did it with Can-Am, signed with Polaris, He's with Polaris, but no, no Dakar. No. It wouldn't make any sense at all. Yeah. So, and it, it's like there was no, I mean, other than Seth Quintero, but that's the, what is it? The OT3, that Red Bull juniors class, off-road class or whatever. So, you know, and, it, and it's a bummer, right? He, he ended up having a mechanical and, and now he's on the, the Dakar tour. Yeah. Win probably, as yeah. many stages as you can. So win yeah. as many stages. And I look at this guy, you know, Quintero and it's just like, I don't know him yet. Maybe I will. And the Red Bull packaged uh, content, you know, it's like ABC, like uh, productions, man. It's just, it's kind of made for TV. It's uh, kind of get. I'm over it. You know, it's not uh, for me and yeah. you, like we're, you know, trying to carry the torch, trying to uh, be leaders in, in, in our field for mm-hmm. the sport of rally. And the videos that are coming out of Red Bull aren't really doing our work, you know, for us, but they're doing some kind of work. Yeah. You know, the these Red Bull videos, they make rally and Dakar stuff look like flying to Mars. It makes it look like being an astronaut, makes it look like insurmountable, makes it seem like it's far, it's far out there. You ever watch the pro bull riding, the PBR? 
Pro Bowl Riding Tour. PBR, Pro Bowl Riding. I watch that stuff, and I'm never going to be a, 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 get on a bowl and go ride a bowl. It's fun to watch. X Games and the big uh, uh, skateboard super ramp. You know, we're not going to do that. It's fun to watch. And so, like, the Dakar thing, is it fun to watch? I guess everyone in Europe, in Germany, Italy, oh, yeah. France, Spain, everybody loves to watch the Dakar coverage. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make everybody participants. It doesn't make everybody. No, no. And that, you know, that that's a good point is like where, you know, for people, where do they go? Because there's obviously there's a growing for the navigation side of it. it, It's growing here in the States. We're seeing more of it, even with the limited like the. the, Damn, I don't want to use the word sensationalized. Uh coverage that we get right because red red bull has a style and and you know their their videos are cool and they, and they show stuff and they they break it down and they have some really good like basics videos and stuff like that that i think but i think the 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 gap begins at okay i watched this video now what do i do how do i get off the couch where do i go to do this and where can i you know go to 7-eleven and buy a 24 ounce red bull uh super energy drink with high fructose corn syrup that's what they're doing sorry red bull but you know you guys are selling uh sugar drinks that's it yeah. so i mean that and thank you for you know making some content yeah so it'll it'll it will be interesting to see you know how how the future develops right everybody going to electronic road books and I know I saw a variation of this on a KTM bike. I, I'm going to say, uh, I want to say that they did it on purpose, but maybe not really, but maybe they did. And those that didn't really know wouldn't have guessed it or seen it. But you, it was a video from uh, last year, the year before. I think it was their first year in Saudi. And it was, I think, Toby Price doing the walk around in the factory, talking to people and doing interviews about building and developing the bike and da 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 And all of a sudden, as you, they pan across, you could see uh, one of the new KTM bikes with the tower, and it had a large flat surface on the top of it. So going back to, you know, we're going, going to the electronic roadbook. So do you think that by going to electronic roadbooks, it's going to help more people get into the sport or should we stick to paper? You think paper is the way to go to learn? I think it's a zero sum gain. I think that it is irrelevant. The growth is irrelevant, whether we're all paper or all digital, mm-hmm. you know, first thing that comes to mind, all digital is like the, the quick sell is, Hey, it's more, it's, less paper it's more environmentally friendly mm-hmm. but then like your tesla cars you know and the batteries and then the cost the the net cost of actually producing that stuff and then the the, the cost of the electronic roadbook reader you know i'm not sure vic if what um the if the if you know introducing these things is gonna is gonna be a big like a, a growth spurt you know, um, a lot of, like I have a theory that if we show this to UTV owners and motorcycle racer enthusiasts and they hear, look at this technology that you can have, we can put this on your bike. It's the same weight as a normal navigation setup. 
we're looking at it as a poll. We're looking at it as a way for people, oh, I want one of those. That looks mm-hmm. good. Let me learn how to use it. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be really that hard, but, you know, the, uh, you know, I don't know. The yeah. answer to the question about paper versus, uh, and like, what's more important? Choice is important, giving mm-hmm. people the, op- the, the opportunity. So next year in Baja Rally, 2022, there you can use electronic or uh, traditional paper. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, because you know, I don't know if you've thought about this, but we're all going to be riding electric motorcycles in five years. So you, think, I think it's two in California. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, have you put much thought into that yourself? Have you ridden an electric bike before? Why'd you have to ask me that? Okay, I only did it once, and I swear nobody saw it, and I will delete this video if it turns viral. I rode the BMW electric scooter. Okay. When it was out. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. Obviously, the first thing, and everybody gets is range anxiety, and, and that's going to be a thing for electric bikes, and I, and I work in the industry uh, where range anxiety is very real. And the performance out of them, is crazy yeah the electric motor is just nuts and you just do so much more it's like oh you want a little bit more torque okay here where meantime in a in a ice engine internal combustion engine you're all okay well let me try this cam okay now take apart the head again because i want to put this cam in it okay well we're going to try this so there's a lot of stuff you got to do to get it to do or you know fuel mapping and stuff like that where on an electric bike you don't have to do that but i do know uh let's see if we have uh Let's see. Hey, do we know about what ballpark cost is going to be on an electronic roadbook like that? Yeah, it's seventeen hundred bucks. Seventeen hundred bucks. Okay, so about seventeen hundred. Yeah, and then I know that you can do. Um, I know that you can get uh, set up with you know your laptop or your uh, your tablet. You can do a couple of different uh, setups to do electronic roadbooks. So it the cost is going to vary, uh, but <laughs> yes, Nick. I, yeah, that was Thug Life Total. Uh, but you know, it was kind of, well, I, I guess I could say it. it was kind of fun to catch a Mustang off guard. They weren't expecting a scooter to pull it across the, uh, the intersection. Um, so anyway, yeah, that is the entry low, the, the cost barrier for getting into an electronic road book. If you're using a, uh, a tablet, something that's weatherized and that kind of thing. And then some buttons, things like that. It, it may be on par may actually be a little bit less everything is just in one boat like here on the on the tower one it's you have your cap so your compass you have your odometer uh and you have the roadbook holder all in one piece so it depends you know how far you want to you want to go with that one but uh let's see let's catch up with some of the uh the comments here scotty steps away let's see yeah red bull did commercialize the race and yeah absolutely so kota rally uh registration now open for that one uh i think that is a really cool starter event uh with what they've done with it you know you could take a dot showroom bike put your basic you know basic stuff i mean it's it's actually on here i don't know if you guys can kind of see it but there's the rms uh clamps that you can put uh right to the handlebars and with the basic setup you can just go racing now uh i will warn you (laughs) that uh that this race or uh this event 
Um, it does have a mixture of terrain and, and there's some harder stuff in there. So there's something in there for everybody, uh, which is really cool. And, and they're working on developing it and, and making it, you know, bigger and bigger, uh, over the next years. And it is the full first fully permitted, uh, rally event, uh, here in the U S. So, uh, that is, that is actually huge. Um, and let's see what else catching up with the comments here. I did see something. So, uh yeah the uh petrucci's parting gift from ktm moto gp team uh was a ride in the dakar that's a good gift that's badass so and yeah that is absolutely loyalty and and you know it shows that ktm takes care of their athletes you know and and, and what they do so that that's that's awesome uh let's see here we're scrolling through this uh let's see oh yeah uh west did use the uh the tower one used one of these at the sonora rally this year uh, and uh, Chris Parker from uh, Rottweiler Performance designed this complete badass uh, holder for it that that broke away. It was tuned, you know, it, it swiveled in either direction, and then if you hit it, it went down. Um, why is that important? Daniel Sanders found out, right? A couple chin, of times now, chin bash. It's, it's, yeah, I thought I was having deja vu when I saw him this year with his chin all looking looking like a uh, hockey no, player. Uh, no, it was a swarm of bees. That's what he told the guys. It was a swarm of bees that got him. That got him all swollen <laughs> up like that uh, in China. No, no, no. no. He, 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 he loved the road book so much he kissed it twice. <laughs> yeah, this guy. Blew that thing out. But yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, a da- it's a real thing and it's a dangerous thing. You know, it, it can literally catch you right in the, I mean, it, it did it for him right in the perfect spot. It sneaks in right between the goggles and the helmet and, you know, incoming. So having something like that, like what Chris designed, where it actually like breaks away and moves down is, is, is huge. So, uh, I'm sure there's, there's going to be more iterations of that coming up. All right. Let's see here. What do we got? I wrote the zero, uh, paper sounds better for entry level. Uh, me looking to come do a race. Uh Oh, Travis brought, I'm telling you, you got that gas gas built. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, uh, head over to the Instagram of every single Sunday. He has a gas gas that he has been working on uh, along with uh, Moto Minded. It's got the Moto Minded tower on it. Uh, this thing is badass. So you definitely want to go check that bike out. Uh, Travis, all of his bike builds have been really good. The components are handpicked. Everything has a reason that it's on the bike. So if you need ideas on what to put, just send them a send them a follow or get a like or ask them questions totally accessible which is really really cool so um and which i'm trying to remember we were talking electric bikes and there's an electric motocross bike that just come out came out and i cannot remember what it is it's not zero no 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 it definitely wasn't no this thing actually was on par with the current 450s more it had more power and it could it had the battery to do the to do a, a full moto at race pace but I can't remember. I'm, I'm hoping Travis is still watching this because uh, from what I understand, he may have one in the garage sooner or later. Um, damn, I can't remember it. But yes. So while we're thinking about that, you know, over the years, you know, I've thought about, God, I want to do, if I could do the Dakar, if I'd won the lottery and I just, you know, got divorced and I didn't get. Skyler un- House un- sold everything. Unemployed or just give everything away, whatever. And so I there's no way I can do the Dakar rally in South America with crossing the Andes and going to 15,000 foot altitude. It's just, it's not going to happen. Extreme heat, you know, in the summer, 
uh, in the southern, um, you know, below the, you know, below the equator. It's summertime down there in South America. I just could never do it. Saudi Arabia, maybe I could, but guess what? I can't come up with the hundred and fifty thousand and six months off to do it. What I want to do instead is I want to do uh, chasing the Dakar in the Dakar on a bike with a bivouac pass. And so instead of spending a hundred to one hundred and fifty grand and trying to race the Dakar, is man just spend thirty or forty, get a bivouac pass, get a bike, and get you know media moto media credentialed and do that as the bucket list 30 or 40 grand you know it's a month of my life you know Mm -hmm. two weeks during the race you know week before week after uh and you could you know hang out in the bivouac but ride every morning you know ride to the start finish line you know follow the you know leave the bivouac early on your bike and just kind of go two or three you know go a mile down the road and wait for everybody yeah just Something like that. That's my new bucket list. I just came up with it today. All right. All right. Well, you heard it here first. Uh, It's the Stark Varg. So that that was what I was... uh, The motocross electric bike? Yeah, the motocross electric bike. So those, I think we're going to see... That sounds like like a couch at Ikea. Stark Varg. (laughs) Stark. Yeah, but in this case, it's an electric bike. But valid point. Um, so yeah, so I think, yeah, uh, let's see, maybe, uh, maybe one of those gets over in Chris's hands and next thing you know, we've got a, a motor minded tower for it. That'd be pretty rad. The Varg. It is the Varg. Sick. Nice. All right. Well, let's see what else have we got here. Uh, kind of scrolling through. So yeah, so we're getting, uh, well next week, uh, kind of wrap it up, but next week, week number two of the Dakar. That's gonna be the uh, that's gonna be the talk of the town. See how uh, everybody goes. I you know Mason's still sounding pretty fresh, so that's that's good. I think he's got a relaxed pace. He's, he just knows what he needs to do. I think Skyler's there. I, w- I wonder if Skyler's gonna hang around out there, or if that's like you know the 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 waving of the the red cape to the bull. You know. Okay, so let's say out. let's say Skyler has uh, representation. Say he has an agent. Agent is going to do everything he can to keep him out there in Saudi Arabia to be a team guy, to be a Mm -hmm. team player and to, you know, sit back and support. Um, You know, I think when Skyler had his injury and he got injured out of his first Dakar in South America, uh, I think that they asked him to stay. Was it um, Garrett Pouchet wanted him to stay, but... If he has an agent, someone that's telling, they're going to tell him, stay, you know, if you can, if, if he's in a hospital, if he gets out. And, you know, Skyler could have died yesterday because it was yesterday that he had his, his crash yeah. in stage five. People are, oh, I'm so bummed for Skyler. No, don't be bummed. He's walking around and talking, you know. He, could have, he didn't die, you yeah. know, which is like, that's like, we overlook that. We tend to overlook that. It's like, oh, man, I'm so bummed he's out. Just... Don't be, you should be glad that he didn't get killed. Yeah. Yeah. That, and it's, and it, it doesn't take, you know, unfortunately it doesn't take much. And at that point, you know, you, that's, that is exactly why you wear all the equipment, you know, as the, you know, as wearing an airbag, wearing those, the airbag. Are those mandatory now? Everyone wears them? Yeah. Pro, pro GP, I think it's got it, or the uh, elite, 
the elite class guys got to run them. Okay. So I know that there was, uh, well, yeah. And then I also saw he, I'm pretty sure he's wearing the A Stars one uh, because I think in one of the pictures I saw of him, you could see the collar of it uh, showing there. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I'm, and, and that's true. I'm, I, I posted about it too. I'm like, all right, this happened. Cool. On to the next one. Next one will become better, faster, stronger. We know the, the recipe that he's had, the picture he was painting of this rally uh, and, and his performance is there. So I think that coming back next year, doing the same thing, you know, not really changing the recipe, just practicing more and, and keeping fresh on it and helping develop that bike even more. I think it's a it's a winning recipe. And if you get Mason on the team and you can both of those guys run together, uh, there's going to be uh, there's going to be some changes up at the top. Good call. So for next week, so I have, I'm looking at the list of who's on the top list right now. And it's, I'm, I've met Sam Sunderland. I've spent a few days on the bikes with him, a couple, you know, couple evenings around the dinner table. Something about Sam that you, you really got to like, you know, he is got kind of that British dry humor. He kind of takes himself pretty seriously. Um, and right now I like that about him. And I like uh, that, you know, I always kind of settling in S- Daniel Sanders also, and then Quintanilla. So before I kind of liked um, uh, Price, Howes, Quintanilla, and now I'm really liking Quintanilla, Sunderland, and wild card on that would be um, Van Breveren. Yeah. So Pablo Quintanilla, when his first, it's from Chile, and his first Dakar, he was number 192. Okay, so he was, basically there was three bikes seated worse than him. Mm-hmm. Big guy, nobody knew who he was, but he was up and running the top 15 after two days. You know, of uh, yeah. but you know, started from the back. And something I like about Pablo Quintanilla is he's one of the big guys, like Toby Price, Skyler Howes. Uh, Quintanilla is also a very tall, like uh, Desol Trait. These are the riders we talked yeah. about it a little bit before. The 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 classic Dakar motorcycle rider is a big guy, six two, two hundred you know pounds, and this is what what Quintanilla is. Is, is looking like and so sitting at fifth place right now um uh just that's where uh, quintanilla is going to wind up on the podium if, if not winning but yeah. if i had to pick a winner it's going to be between uh sunderland sanders and quintanilla yeah. and that's all i got yeah <laughs> Uh, let's see. Let's go back to this one. Uh, okay. So in closing, we'll make, we'll make this one the last, uh, the last topic. And yeah, so, uh, I got a chance to speak with, uh, Andy Kirker, uh, about the pro moto rally class, um, at the Baja 1000 this past year on the peninsula run. And, and they were working on it. I full, you know, full disclosure, I, I like the idea from a standpoint that it's going to foster people getting interested uh, in rally and bringing that maybe a little bit more to the forefront at a grassroots level. Um, I do have questions about the, the way that the stage would be organized or the navigational section would be organized uh, in a fashion that keeps these guys off the front bumpers uh, of the trophy trucks. Um, and and 
you know, we, we know that racing is dangerous and we know that it is uh, of concern, but you just have to look at it from the technology standpoint and the bikes are still the same recipe. Um, even if it was a rally light bike, it's still a motocross bike with a big tank and all of that. But then you go and you look at the trophy trucks and the front runners and their four wheel drive with all the travel in the world. Uh, thanks to people like the late John Marking uh, from Fox have made these things way more controllable and predictable pre- and predictable. Uh, and that makes them that much faster. So it makes it that much harder for the bikes to outrun it. <laughs> Um, so unfortunately this year, I, I don't think that the class got off the ground, uh, because of entries. I think everybody was hanging out and this happens a lot at events is a lot of people kind of hang out and who's going to sign up, who's going to do this. And it's like that Spider-Man meme where everybody's pointing at each other, you know, where, who's, uh, who's going to sign up first and then nobody signs up. Um, so in the end, I think it was just that it was just simply not not everybody that was interested signed up for it. There were still some questions that needed to be hashed out. Nobody wanted to be the guinea pig. And well, here we are. So hopefully uh, Kirker and the score team is looking at it and evaluating it. And hopefully they get, you know, something going uh, because we want to see more people in in rally raids. And I think that once people start discovering that and see the navigation, once you get bit by that bug is not that that hard that you're going to see the the other rallies like Kota, Baja Rally, Sonora Rally, you're going to start to see the numbers grow. Well, I think they're going to grow anyways, and I think that they um, we will, you know, all, all three of those events that you just talked about, you know, like we all want to see rally raid, you know, events get full. Mm-hmm. Let's say I'm, I, I'm in the business of doing dog shows and doing like, you know, dog uh, show contests, you know. If I want to grow that, I'm not going to go – merge my dog show with a cat show across the, the you know the, the other side of town <laughs> True. You know, and so it's like um might be a little rough yeah and i would like to help andy kirker and and anyone at score try to figure out a way to to bring it in and to and to merge it you know it's uh uh you know it might be a good idea but instead of me convincing you that it's not a good idea you guys have to convince me as a potential customer to sign up that it is a good idea. Mm-hmm. And so until that happens, you know, there's still uh, meat on the bone. So, you know, all right, here so we go. That's what happened. Here's, here's the wild card. I would think uh, this is Fabian. I, w- I would think score would separate the entire race to a fifth event down in Baja. Scotty and Victor to join forces as directors score international Baja rally moto. Let's go, sir. There we go. Fabian. Nice there we to go. see you on the boards, bro. Let's see. BT, what is it? Dude, Stefan Svitko, right? <laughs> it's true. It's just, it's another one. Like, there's more names up top now that weren't there before. It was like, oh, okay, well, this is the, the KTM slash Honda team or the Honda show, right? And then now it's like, well, oh, wait, we got Van Beveren in the Yamaha now up there, staying up there. And then you've got, uh, I mean, you've got heroes. You've got the, um, what was it, uh, Reju uh, FN rally team, I think is another one. Like, you've got all these bikes that are, are now able to compete. Now, the homework, uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll leave it on this. The homework for everybody is, is the question is, because of the way that that car has changed the road books and to when they're now issuing them minutes before the start, 
Is this why we are seeing more teams being mixed up in the top results? So I don't know. Leave your guys' comment. The video will be there. You can still comment on it. I want to know about that. What do you guys think? Do you do we think that the mix up now and seeing more bikes and more teams up front and dicing it out is it because of the way that they've changed the way that uh, the rule books? So let's see. All right. That's all I got. Hey, man, this has been awesome. Um, th- <laughs> this is like the first uh, live stream. First live stream. Awesome. That's right. Man, so I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah. Starting the new year off right. So before we go, though, uh, Baja Rally, let's talk about that really quick. Uh, you've got we've got the main event six days, right? Correct. We're doing a marathon stage in that. Correct. All right. And then we've got the smaller Catavina Rally. Also in the year somewhere? Correct, in December. In December. Three, so okay. three events launched. Um, entries are open in all three. Okay. com. You can sign up and pay uh, now. You can sign up for three different rallies. Um, our six-day rally in October, October 2nd through the 8th, it's six full days of racing. And it is, um, you know, I don't know how to tell you about it. It's, it's going to be awesome. And if the Dakar rally keeps cutting their stages short your average length of a Baja rally is the average length of a day on the Baja rally is going to be longer than the average length of a day on the this current Dakar rally it's it's good and so there is some training opportunities just visit bajarallymoto.com there you can see some of the different things that we have to offer uh, for this race and so that's it's coming out so uh, we're on it, and thank you for everything you guys yeah. are doing, and uh, to your supporters and sponsors. And let's keep watching the Dakar, yeah, and and keep tuning in to Dakar Daily, Dakar Rally Daily. Yeah, uh, it's a good resource. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna, I'm, I don't hide it. I've said it in a few of the episodes. That's where I get my information from. I mean, Quinn Cody's got everybody on speed dial, so I know. But if we could just get them, <laughs> if we could just get them when they then when they don't know that they're we're listening. So yeah. We want to hear what's really going on, and you know, mad respect to the the people in management for our business, like Quinn Cody and Johnny Campbell for their respective manufacturers. That's a lot of pressure, dude. They have to keep their, and they have a lot of stuff to guard. And I can't blame them or fault them for holding their cards really close to the chest and to not. I mean, one thing you're going to get fired, but the other thing is that people are going to get in trouble. Yeah. Uh, by telling the truth in in. The world of surfing in the U.S. is like motorcycle business in the U.S. Nobody really can tell the truth about what happened with that that one guy. You know, people know, but nobody broadcasts it or publishes it. In Australia, it's exactly the opposite. Surfing in Australia, if you get caught doing crystal meth and you're a pro surfer, you're going to get busted and they're going to publish it Uh, up here if you're a pro surfer and you get mixed up in, in narcotics or drugs, they're going to hide that. They're going to, they're going to, the industry is going to kind of cover, take cover for people. But mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's what's going on in the motorcycle business, but no. it's really competitive. And I think that the, uh, the guys that are working in management at these companies that are hiring riders, doing contracts, developing motorcycles, I can't blame them for, you know, keeping it really close yeah. to the best. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, awesome. All right, guys. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. 
that is also we've been recording this so if you guys want to listen to this show again in the car you will be able to do so i will publish it a little bit later tonight uh that will be available on spotify google podcast google podcasts and apple podcasts as well or you can just head over and to the uh chasing waypoints uh youtube channel you'll be able to watch the show so thanks once again for everybody tuning in we will see you guys for the next one All right, that is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like what you heard. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of others. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook under Chasing Waypoints, Instagram, Chasing Waypoints underscore official, and, of course, the YouTube under Chasing Waypoints. Hope everybody has a good week. We will see you guys for the next episode. Remember, shiny side up, and don't forget to tag us. We want to see where you guys are riding and what you guys are up to. Have a great week. Bye.